Marco Royce. Daniel Marlon! Wonderful! Fantastic from Royce. Jude Bellingham. That's excellent. Jude Bellingham. This is absolutely brilliant. Jude Bellingham! Absolutely magnificent. Rina. Brilliant from the American. Just like that. Graceful. Sally Hurts down for Anthony Modest. Royce. Not a bad idea. Hey, welcome back to the BVB podcast. My name's Jake. Joined as always, did I, joined as always by Carver. I'm psyching myself out because I got it wrong last time. I don't know if I did it. Two even, weeks if in I a row. Got it right this time. <laughs> Forget how to talk. Uh, but yeah, Carver, how are you doing? I'm still coping with the fact that club football is still over a month away. But other than that, doing fine. We still got a ways to go, um, sadly. But that's why we're here doing a midseason review. And we got a special guest again. I feel like every time it's been way too long since he's hung out with us. And that's more Carbonized fault than his. Um, it's it's all Carbonized <laughs> fault. But Adam, back with us again, man. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, had that uh, well-earned slash deserved break from club football. But I am, I'm ready for it to come back. World Cup's been fun, but... You know, I, I I miss watching the team, uh, even though, you know, we're going to get into the first half of the season, which didn't go as planned, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to see round two. It's a weird, like, mix of feelings, I think, like when, because it doesn't get any better than just like you're, you're watching your club week in, week out. And then when it's gone and we get to take a break as like people, I know like you have your, your website and you're following the women and you do a lot with that. And then us doing the podcast every week, it's like nice to have a break from the the content and and publishing all that stuff. But then it's like, but I miss watching Dortmund so much. Right. So like I said, we are going to get into the mid-season review. We are going to get a women's update from uh, Adam. I don't know why I almost ruined your name there. <laughs> I kind of did. Well, you already forgot Carver and, you know, he's, he's here every week. So <laughs> this is what happens. I leave radio for like two weeks and I just forget how to talk completely. <laughs> but we're we're going to have a, a women's update uh, later on in the episode. But first, we have some pretty big Dortmund news that we should probably jump into because we want to be doing the world right as, as Dortmund podcasters with, without talking about Gio Reyna and the USMNT and the whole debacle that that's been going on. I think it's it's definitely slowed down. I think it's just going to sit and people need to make up their mind which side they're on. But <laughs> Carver, start with you and uh, or if you want to give a quick review, we don't need to jump into all of it. We'll like give our thoughts and 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 feelings. But a uh, quick review if anyone somehow missed what happened with geo and usmnt well there's just been a storm of brewing since even a few days before the world cup between greg berhalter and geo reyna obviously didn't play or played under an hour the entire tournament but definitely didn't play the first game and that's whenever people were starting to really question what was going on there was mixed messages between geo and Greg with Greg kind of covering the story and saying that geo was hurt and then i think that kind of made the feud worse because reyna was fully healthy and then come to find out not even, what was it, 48 hours or so after the U.S. was eliminated, Greg went to the media and said he wanted it off the record. But it turned out it was still leaked to the public that it was more behavioral issues that Gio was facing. He didn't name him, but everyone pretty much knew exactly who he was talking about. And, and it's just been spicy on Twitter for the past few days. It's been spicy. Adam, quick takes before we dive into it, really? Uh, I guess the quick take is kind of that uh, nobody liked 
is like denying that any of this happened. It just seemed like uh, Geo's statement. He basically came out and said that he sulked when he found out that he wasn't going to have the the role that he thought, and you know that that landed him in some trouble. And he apologized to his teammates. So everything that Berhalter said, Geo kind of uh, confirmed from what I saw. So it's not really like a he said he said type thing here. It's it's this is what happened, uh, and it's it's frustrating it's not and i think the the club came to geo's defense and said we haven't seen anything like this in in his time here uh with us so that was nice to hear the the club back him up during what has to be a really awful time for him i mean like he's going to the world cup and he doesn't get to play and then just gets totally shit on at the end of it and it's just got to be an awful feeling yeah i think some of the the hazy details were like you said it it, it happened geo admitted uh to having to being a little frustrated and probably not acting how he should on, at camp, I guess, or at the World Cup. Um, but there were some like hazy details as far as like players voting, like whether he should stay or go. And then that was brought up by, I think Taylor Twelman mentioned, like there was, I talked to multiple reps and agents said no players voted on anything. So a lot of really weird mixed details that made it look worse uh, in some ways. And then, um, yeah, I just, I think the, Greg as the the coach and the adult <laughs> adult mm-hmm. in this situation to just even come out with anything like no he didn't name the player but it was very apparent who he was talking about and I it, it felt like maybe because all the heat he was getting for not playing Geo he just was like f it I'm just gonna come out and say something um, which is very immature especially when what Geo said about inside the camp like ever they're trying to keep internal or issues internal and and then why would the head of it all come out and and say this happened um and then yeah it's crazy that the kid comes out with obviously he probably worked with his agents and his parents to make sure everything sounded great but uh but still for him to come out almost look more mature in this situation and then i even before geo came out and made his statement my my thoughts were like something clearly happened beforehand like we haven't seen any of these issues or heard any issues with him and dortmund never had really these issues before so it definitely felt like something happened beforehand that would have led to this and then as geo statement said um he was told ahead of the tournament that he's going to be used very minimally or i don't remember his exact words which is also ridiculous on multiple accounts one when you're your best attacking players um is going to be limited which doesn't make any sense and the just to like tell someone up front like hey i'm not actually going to use you in this tournament doesn't feel right at all either i mean my last thing on it was my best guess was he was telling geo that he just wasn't going to start the first game i'm not sure the words limited role is what greg said but i I could be totally wrong i think he was just kind of saying we're going to try to use you with caution here at the beginning and maybe it was a mix of you know him coming back from injury and also maybe just not looking 100 percent fit and ready to go and then geo being a 20 year old maybe just took that the wrong way and I, I thought it was, you know, I tweeted about it and I said, I thought it was good that Greg held him accountable and the fact that, you know, made him apologize to not just him, it, it's the team. You know, it's you're you need to be setting a standard for the rest of the squad. And I think when everyone's not pulling their weight, it kind of just can disrupt things in the locker room that's super unnecessary. So I think it was good on him in that fact. But then, yeah, doing a complete 180 and being pretty immature immediately going to the media is uh, very rookie stuff. My uh, big concern is. I guess moving forward. Um, I, I hope, I think 
I think Gio will be able to like move on from this and, and be fine. I just hope it doesn't like tarnish any views of Gio from maybe an incoming USMNT coach or anything like that. Um, like hopefully whether you want Burhalter to stay or not, like this next cycle is going to start and hopefully it like say Burhalter isn't the coach. Um, like hopefully we can just all move on no matter who the incoming coach is. But Adam, do you think there's any uh, thoughts or concerns like moving forward? How do you think this might affect Geo or in USMNT's relationship or just Geo's career in general? I mean, if there's a new coach, I think that pretty much everyone gets a, a, a clean slate when that happens. Uh, no, none of these things tend to carry over when uh, there's a new coach, unless you, you continue to, to exhibit such behaviors. Um, you know, I, I, and I say such behaviors, like, I don't think Gio was like totally like, he clearly did something in the wrong here. And I'm sure it's part Berhalter, part Reyna, but uh, you know, moving forward, if, if there's a new coach, I think it's easier to move on. If it's the same coach, there's gotta be like some sort of grudges held here. Like maybe, maybe they tiptoe around it, but you know, deep down that they're both, really pissed that this came to, you know, the, the surface. Another thought, or I don't know if it was a tweet or a text or something, but someone also mentioned um, maybe Burhalter just like, he knows he's not coming back and he's just like, whatever, <laughs> just whatever. Why not? Just I'll throw this out there. I don't know. I wouldn't totally rule that out. Could be. I thought it was interesting that, you know, when, when their backs were, <laughs> when their backs were at the wall at the the last match that, you know, that's when Gio goes in and plays the, the full 45 minutes. I, I thought that was, little interesting. I don't know if you guys saw the video of in that, that Netherlands game, there was a, the classic uh, Greg Berhalter bounce pass, but he was bouncing it to Geo and just like missed completely. And it's like, was this a sign? Should we have seen this all coming with that misplaced pass? Uh, which if you want to take anything funny out of it, it was that, but hey, I'm, I'm team Geo yeah. forever. I don't care. Berhalter, I've been saying I'm not the biggest fan of Berhalter for a while. Um, and I, I just don't see with, with everything else we know about Gio and know him in Dortmund. Like I, I just think, yeah, maybe he didn't handle the situation the best. Um, uh, but then again, I don't think Burhalter did either. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to back Gio and I don't think he's really going to have issues. I don't think he's that kind of player that has that kind of attitude where it's going to be a problem moving forward for, for him or for other coaches or anything. So hopefully we can just move on, get a new coach and, uh, they, this doesn't tarnish Geo's reputation with whoever is to come in. Um, but the other bit of news, uh, we can wrap up the Geo thing, is, I mean, it's not like complete done deal, but we got a little more insight into the Mokoko um, contract that is still yet to come. But it looks like it, it like agreements, I'll, I'll just read out the tweet from uh, BV Buzz. Bruce Dortmund are close to reaching an agreement in principle with Yusufu Mokoko over a new contract despite interest from other clubs. The extension will not be finalized this month, but indications are that a positive decision is set to be reached uh, soon. So hopefully we get that wrapped up. I, I think we were under the impression like as soon as he turns 18, contract's going to be signed. We're going to be good to go. But it looks like not quite done yet. But Carver, thoughts on Makoko in this contract? I mean, of course, I think everyone here wants him to stay. That's kind of bleeds into the season review of who I, of the fan base that did the survey wanted to be extended, of course. It was just you know a few question marks here and there in the last several months because I think Mukoko was, you know, rightfully so concerned about the role he was going to have at this club before the news for Haller. I mean, he didn't know if he was going to see the pitch much, and he wanted to go and you know develop and flourish somewhere else. So uh, I think that idea was kind of floating around his head. But at the same time, he's always been like, you know, this is the club that I love. I have a great relationship with a lot of the staff. I have a, I'm embedded into the culture of the club and everything. So. 
you know, he, I think he really loves playing here. And now we're, you know, showing him that we're serious about wanting to, uh, you know, build a future with him. And I think he is too. Yeah. Adam. I think this is great news, obviously. I mean, he's 18 years old. He leads the club in, in goals and assists, and he's played about half the, he started about half the games. The, I mean, the downside of this story is, um, I, I don't, I forget where the report was from. Uh, maybe you guys can remind me that this seemed to take so long because of like a falling out with his parents or something like that. Did you, did you guys see that report as well? Mm-hmm. And that, that's just sad for him. I feel for him to, to have that situation there where it's, it just seems like it wasn't a good situation to mix family with finances. And now that he's 18, he's got these, the opportunity to make these decisions on his own. And it looks like as rumored that this is going to come together pretty quickly at, um, from here on out, obviously being at the world cup, I'm sure uh, delayed things. That's where he was when he turned 18. So it's not like it was going to happen that day. I'm excited about it. I think it's, it's a uh, huge to extend him. Uh, it would be terrible to lose him after, you know, he's been with us since he was like 12 years old. So uh, having him finally break out like this and then getting him under contract to see him develop even further is just a wonderful thing. Yeah, he's definitely earned the contract. And even though there was question marks to his status and uh, how much he would play at the beginning of the season due to fortunate and unfortunate events for the club, but fortunate for him to get a chance and prove and really earn the contract. Um, I've also just heard reports of like how – how much the club like takes care of him and protects him. Like it, whether it's like in the, the media mixer or anything like there, there's always someone with him. Um, and so it's been a, I know it's been a, like a good place and protected place for him to grow up and, and develop. And I think it also helps that he is for Dortmund's sake that he, he is so young and he doesn't need to be in a rush to go anywhere. Cause there's a chance that he could move on, say the premier league club wants to sign him. He could move on uh, to an unfamiliar place, new country and everything. And, could be really uncomfortable and hard for him to integrate and um and just jump in so the fact that he gets to play at such a high level here at Dortmund and now he is playing um in in a, a space where he he feels comfortable and protected is really good and like like I said there's no rush like he can wait a few years if if things aren't going his way or, or aren't going well for him in the next few years like then he still has plenty of time to move on like he's got so much left time left in his career so but yeah if we can get it done then great great for everybody Um, So with that, there was some other news, but I think we're going to touch on it in the mid-season review, which uh, let's jump into. Big shout out to everyone who uh, filled out our our survey. We appreciate it. We had it up for a while so that we can get as much feedback as possible uh, because, of course, Carver, Adam, and I can just sit here and and talk amongst ourselves. But the great thing about this podcast is a lot of people listen to it, and we want all your your feedback and input because that's what makes the show better. And it's not just just us and our opinions because, honestly, I mean – if you value our opinions and that great, that's awesome. Uh, but it, it's way better with, with all your guys' input too. So Carver, do you want us to get, a, get us kicked off with the mid-season review? Would love to. Yeah. So the first question was just asking how you feel about the season so far on a scale of one to 10. And going through these, I, right before I hopped on, I went and looked at the responses again. And I thought they were, a lot of these were pretty interesting. But yeah, the first one, it looks very split down the middle. I mean, most people voted on a five out of one to 10. And then touching on four and six outside of that. So kind of split down the middle, which is, I guess, to be expected. I mean, people are feeling pretty indifferent about how the season is going so far. Um, and then following that up with, do you think the club is heading in the right direction? And again, the response is kind of split down the middle, almost kind of leaning towards no. Did you guys have any thoughts on the first two? Uh, yeah, I, I think 
given the way that the first half ended, I think I answered three on both of those uh, just because, um, it, you know, the, the way the Bundesliga ended in particular was just really, really rough. And uh, the direction question, I probably was a little harsh too, but, uh, you know, we're hearing about, you know, Guerrero possibly leaving as well. Bellingham is going to be sold for obviously a, a large sum. Um, and I'm just, I don't know. I don't, you know, it's tough to lose Sancho Holland and Bellingham in a row and, and, you know, not go through some sort of rebuild. So uh, I'll be curious to see what the rebuild looks like so far with like the players like Malin and Adiemi. they haven't hit the ground running. I, I think that they still deserve some time, but I think it's, it's clear that, you know, it hasn't taken off quite as quickly as we hoped, but yeah, so that's why I tended more towards the negative side, even though I'm usually usually pretty optimistic. But uh, yeah, a little bummed out with uh, with how things ended at the first half. Hey, I mean, there's some rumors that Sancho might be coming back, so you can't count. count. <laughs> I dream of that. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I I I wish. You know, my only concern about that is that he's he's left the Dortmund wage structure, and is that anything that could even possibly work? But I think it would be great for him because you know when players leave. It isn't always greener. I mean, Holland's doing great, sure. But, you know, I just ache for Sancho seeing what he's going through there. You know, he missed the World Cup. He's, you know, not getting minutes. And he was just, he was a god here. He was a legend. And I would love to see him get back to that. It makes me curious to see if, like, if psychologically he could get back to that level at Dortmund. And you might see him struggle if he did come back. I don't know. There is always something, too, about, I think, players coming back to a club that just, I kind of am in the, I, I just feel like it, it never, it's like they're never going to come back and be, do the exact same thing. I don't know if there's any circumstances where that's happened. Probably a couple here and there, but none that I can think of where I'm like, oh yeah, a player came back and it was just like, you know what I mean? Like you, you can always think, oh, remember when, but you can't always look back on those times because it's it's never going to be the same. <laughs> so the he's still so young Sancho though. so young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was going to say. No, I, I know the club also kind of preys a little bit on nostalgia at times. So, I, you know, you don't really want to continue falling victim to that. And I thought it was interesting because I'm, I'm thinking back to myself a year ago and I was looking at like the major problems of the club. And I think a lot of the or one of the bigger words tossed around a lot under Rosa was just a lack of identity within the squad. Um, and, you know, are we consistently trying to be a club that sells these kind of players and uh, uses ourselves as a stepping stone? And I'm thinking... I think the club genuinely did try to make three genuine statement signings in the last calendar year to try to fix that area in Schlotterbeck. I think he's someone that could genuinely stay here for eight to 10 years. Sule's just now entering his prime and I know he's not, you know, joining us because he doesn't think we're a serious club. I think he genuinely, he said in interviews when he was joining, he thinks we can win titles here and he wants to win titles. And so he's not being complacent in that sense. And unfortunately with Haller, but it was the exact same way with him entering his prime. So um, I was kind of stuck back and forth. I kind of landed on the middle as well because I I took this survey myself after I created it. It doesn't surprise me um, that everyone voted like five or the average was five just because I I know how sad and and mad everybody can get. Um, So it doesn't surprise me at all that it's kind of split. And Adam, it doesn't surprise me either that you're – we're a three and I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people were sitting at a one without the season ended. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nice to do this. I think not like after it's been, it's been a while now. It's been like a month or longer, maybe like it's, it's been a while since. So 
you can all, you can kind of forget about how poorly it ended. I mean, it's hard to forget, but uh, you can kind of look at it as a whole and kind of see what happened. Although I think that what made the the ending so much worse was like we in the beginning we were getting these pulling off these like one zero wins, uh, and they weren't that exciting. But I kept coming back to it's like at least we're 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 still winning and we're getting a clean sheet. Um, and then yeah, this kind of collapsed a little bit, but. I, I think the optimist in me would say about a seven because I, um, I just I still look at the potential and and I think this is I'm going on seven and just tie into the direction like as far as like Carver you said like the the signings we made and and it seems that Kale has taken a, a has a little different attitude about it and a little different strategy as far as like the players he wants to bring in it looks like because this was just the first window um, in in it takes time to build a team. So like if, if that was the, f- the start, then I'm really excited for the other sign- kind of signings he has planned. And so just the pure optimist in me trying to look forward and, and look how things can change and continue to get, I mean, maybe get better, not continue to get better because that's up in the air and that's why we're doing this. Uh, but I think mainly the signings that Cal made at the be- in the off season and the summer gets me excited and, and still gives me optimism. Um, because I mean, not like, yeah, we all hoped that Lewandowski was going to leave, and we made these good signings, and we we're going to win the league. But when you're building something, like it's not, it's never going to flip that quickly. Um, and obviously, we were on, in second. We've been second for a long time, so maybe, maybe we, maybe people don't want to look at it as like a big switch or a big flip because it's just moving from second to first. But I think realistically, it is. It's a big jump we have to make, and so if we can continue to make these, these kind of signings and, and just build. Um, if that's what we're doing, if we're building and this is the start, then I'm, I'm excited, but there's a lot that needs to change for a lot of success. Yeah. We're not in second anymore. We're not even in the top four. <laughs> so I think that's what people were kind of looking at going into the third question, which bleeds into which competition do you feel the best about right now? And I put Bundesliga, Pokal and Champions League. And I thought this is pretty funny. Only, excuse me, less than, Two percent of people said the Bundesliga, and it was split pretty oh much down gosh. the middle, fifty-two, forty-eight of uh, Pokal and Champions League. Wow, <laughs> Carver, what's what's your? Where are you feeling? What competition are you liking the most? Again, I guess that's not too surprising. I mean, going just the way we ended against Gladbach, and then you now you're just stuck with looking at that table for over a month of like Jesus Christ, this is quite the hill to climb, and you're looking at our results, going like, well, that could have been win. At uh, Werder Bremen, or you name it, there are a handful of other uh, games that we should not have lost, or we should have done much better in. So, that yeah, the Bundesliga table is is looking pretty uh pretty grim right now. But I mean, the Pokal, you have a favorable draw, and in the Champions League, also with Graham Potter kind of struggling to get any um momentum going at Chelsea, I think we also have a kind of favorable draw there to maybe smash and grab it away and uh, bring it back at home. So. I can see definitely where people were going with this one. Yeah, uh, same thing. I feel like, uh, you know, my favorite performances that I watched this year, I don't don't know if any of them were wins in retrospect, were were the games against Man City and Bayern Munich. And I I feel like they stepped it up so much. So I think I chose Champions League just because it seems like they step it up against these bigger teams. And I think some of it might have to do with the fact that they don't have the ball as much and they can utilize their athleticism and speed and not worry about like 
the the possession game as much because maybe maybe that's something they're still struggling to 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 nail with the with the new folks on the team. But yeah, I look at a, a team like Chelsea, and you know maybe we can maybe we can give them the ball and you know smash and grab and take something away from home and then do a great job at home uh, away from home and uh, then take the the home win. Uh, so I feel better about these like uh shorter term you know single knockout right now just because the trend isn't great in the bundesliga you know a few more wins and i might change my mind and feel better about the bundesliga again but yeah yeah i I can see why people answer that way like you mentioned adam like the the games i look back on and think oh that was great was the champions league and specifically the man city games um and I'm so I'm going to have like two answers because it's like so far like in the first half of the season, what what was the best to me? And then looking forward, what what or what which company do you feel the best about right? Oh, right now. Okay, but like I still want to split it in two answers. Like, what do I feel about best moving forward? The Champions League and those teams still scare me, and I want to say, yeah, let's take it. Let's get to a semifinal. Let's get to the final. But realistically, I'm like, I don't know if that's going to happen. But how we played like the tactical, like how we played in like the tactical setup, like that gives me so much hope. But then in the Bundesliga, when we, it seems like we have no tactics and we're not like doing anything and conceding everywhere. I'm like, what, what happened to like the tactical masterclass you set up against Man City? Where, where'd that go? Like it, that, those gave me so much hope for Terzic, Terzic's tactics. But then in the Bundesliga, I'm like, you're terrible. You don't know what you're doing. So, <laughs> There's a bit of a disconnect there, um, but I would say I guess moving forward, what I'm like optimistic about is I'm just going to say the Pokal because, like you said, there's something about the knockout games, and then maybe, and I'm like maybe that's where we can get our trophy because that that's where I feel like we can get a trophy is a Pokal. So that's where I'm feeling good about. That's what the second half of the survey was about was looking forward. So we'll get to that. We'll get to oh, that. You got to you oh, got to tease the audience. Clearly, a I did bit, not. Jake. Clearly, I did not do the survey. <laughs> <laughs> What the hell? I sent it to you for proofreading. You said it was fine. <laughs> Just trusted you. Um, the next, yeah. The next one was who impressed you the most this season so far? Uh, I mean, pretty much like nine or ten players were uh, thrown in on this one, but it all pretty much revolves around two or three players. Do you, you either of you want to give a shot of who those might be? I answered. Mukoko, and then immediately realized I should have answered Jude Bellingham just because I think he's gone on the next level. So I'm going to guess that they were one and two. I would guess Bellingham, and then maybe Koble, but also maybe it's a given that like maybe that's not a surprise uh, that that Koble. But for me, or impre- it's not a surprise that he's been impressive. Um, but I would throw my personal choice is Oschan because um, he was kind of that mystery. Like we weren't quite sure if he was going to be able to step in and, and just like hit the ground running. And I, I feel like he has, I feel like him and Bellingham together have worked really well and just his overall performances have been great. So he's, who's impressed me, but I, yeah, I would guess I'd go with what Adam said, Makoko and Bellingham is probably what people said. So Bellingham is pretty much the first one. And then Koble with a close second. And then probably right below that, I'm just going through a bunch of these. Uh, and it looks like Makoko's in third. And I personally put Koble as number one just because I was thinking about who has impressed me the most. And of course, like Jude is always impressive. It's kind of just hard to, mm-hmm. you know, put him at even higher standard because he just continues to elevate his game so much by the week. Um, but but just Koble, I mean, he had a solid season last season, but would just, God, he continues to become such a beast in net. 
And his distribution is continues to blow me away too. I did not expect him to be so good with his feet, you know, considering especially that Berkey was never that gifted with his feet, at least definitely not compared to uh, other Bundesliga keepers. Um, so, I mean, I, I put Kobel as my number one. Yeah. And that was not, I guess, too surprising. And then the, the follow-up to that was who's been the biggest disappointment. And there's about two players here. Do either of you want to guess those? I have to assume that uh, Donnie Mullen is at or near the top of that list. The fact that there was a clear number two as well. Um, I don't know. I know Adiemi hasn't gotten on the score sheet yet. I don't know if people would, would name him there yet, but I don't, I don't know. Who do you think Jake? Modest. Oh, and, right. and I would say Mullen over Adiemi. I mean, I feel like people are, probably thought Adiyemi was going to come in and, and just run with it. Um, I didn't think that was necessarily the case because I think Austrian Bundesliga stepping up to Bundesliga is a, is a pretty big jump, although he he had good performances in the Champions League before. But since Malin's already been here a while and he has consistently got starts, I would say Malin is probably number two, but Modest number one for me. So Malin looks like about the most thrown answer here with Adiyemi in number two. And Modest pretty much right below him. So that was uh, a little surprising for Adeyemi as well. I mean, I, I just like you said, Jake, I think Malin doesn't really have an excuse at this point to at the very least just start playing decent or pretty well. But like every time he's incredibly disappointing. And I don't think I can really throw that same sort of criticism at Adeyemi yet because he just doesn't have really the time to really implement himself into this team. So, you know, he's been kind of thrown in here and there whenever he is healthy um, and, and it's in different roles that he's not necessarily used to. So again, it's that winger striker hybrid that neither are really trying to fit for at the moment. So not too surprising either on those. On Adeyemi, I, I doubt people were comparing him coming in like when Holland came in. Um, but like it, it is a big jump from the Austrian Bundesliga to the Bundesliga. Like it, it's a big difference. Yeah. Holland came from Salzburg and started scoring. Scored a hat-trick on his debut, I'm pretty sure. Um, but we've also seen Holland do that exact same thing in the Premier League. That dude is just a, a monster. Um, and and I think there's a little more, there was probably a lot of hype. I'm I'm not saying people compared Adeyemi, saw Adeyemi coming in, and it was like, oh, yeah, Holland did it. He can do it too. I think there's a little more hype just because um, he's such a young, like, German international too. Uh, that gave a lot of hype to him. But I think you you have to remember, like, how big of a jump it is. Um, and it might take him a little longer. So, I, and I think I've been, I feel like I've been, I've had those thoughts. I don't know if I've expressed it here, but I feel like I've said that, that it, it might take him a little longer to settle in. And that's okay. I, I still think there's a player in there. I think he has some great attributes and I'm still excited for Adiyemi. I, I, I think I've said multiple times that like, I've su- surprised that Mullen's gotten more starts over him. And I would still like to see him just to continue progress and i think he will i think he's going to be a good player in the future hopefully he can just kick on in the second half of the season and start scoring that'd be great um but yeah so a little adiemi defense i'll throw in there yeah i, I would i would have been shocked if Mullen wasn't the clear number one because i feel like that's that's all you see on on twitter and you know even there's rumors of uh i don't know what is it sevilla that's interested or something like that um that i don't know maybe they would be open to it in, in the winter as well uh, and you know, he's three years older than Adiemi too. Like I, I sometimes tend to think, oh, Mullen's new, so he's young, but you know, he's not as young as, as you tend to think. So 
I think there's certainly a lot more upside without Iemi. There, there was that video. Carvin and I were texting. There was a video that Dortmund posted about Malin, and it was him just like blowing past the defender. But this was when they're like on their Asian tour, and and they like were really hyping it up. It's like masterclass Malin is like I think basically what the caption was. I'm like, who? What are you? What are you doing here? Like. This isn't classic Mullen. It's yeah, an advertisement when, when we played the division, they tagged Sevilla. The division, the division three team in the Pokal. Yeah, he did that, but we haven't seen it since. He hasn't been able to do that since. And then Carver I was going to say like, he scorched eighteen sixty. <laughs> Carver made the point that no, they're just putting out there for uh, Sevilla. Put that, put that price tag. Make him look good in the window. <laughs> yeah. Um, the next one was what has been Dortmund's biggest issue this season, and this one was split between like five different answers pretty much everyone that i uh, initially put got, and, and then some you have a good variety of answers in here it's pretty widespread and but the biggest one was set pieces defending and attacking yeah and that's and that's been something that's been a huge glaring problem with our club for years now and the fact that not only does the club continue to neglect it at Dortmund, but just like the concept as a whole of how important set pieces or how much more important set pieces are becoming. I mean, specialized, there's a article by the guardian where they talk about, you know, these specialized coaches are becoming more and more valuable in international football, especially coaches that specialize in set pieces because of how important they are in so many different competitions. And that same piece from the guardian talks about how, um, you know, Italy and their big reason for their success in the Euros was them practicing these set pieces. So, yeah, it's not only do we continue to concede unnecessary goals from set pieces, but we also are completely toothless when we're attacking with them. So um, I'm not too surprised at that answer either, I guess. That was my my clear answer when I saw that one right away. I feel like there has to be some sort of like market inefficiency we can exploit to like utilize a coach to come in and, and, you know, just the sheer importance of the set pieces uh, compared to the entire, you know, flow of the game. It, it just seems like it constantly burns us both on the defensive side and the complete lack of, of, uh, you know, bite on the attacking side. Like it gets to the point, like we win a corner. I'm like, ah, crap. That's like losing possession, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, it shouldn't be that way. Like uh, when watching the world cup, I was kind of getting excited when certain teams were getting, you know, uh, corner kicks and whatnot. And I was like, wow, this is a different feeling. I'm not used to that. I'm used to being defeated and like almost wanting to give away any set piece that they earn. Cause you know, then everybody gets up and I feel like Dortmund almost hurts themselves by taking set pieces because everybody is up and then we get burned on the counter and it's just, it's not the way it should be. So some sort of specialist or something has to be out there that can help this team. But I don't know. It's been like, what? I don't know, a, a decade-long problem, six-year-long problem. Certainly as, lo- as uh, long as I've been following the club, basically, defending set pieces. Now we just can't even score them either. So it's doubly frustrating. I think watching Dortmund has like tampered my expectations for spe- set pieces in general. And maybe I wouldn't like have realized it until like I really watch it like the world cup or a lot of where like you're seeing mm-hmm. goals on set pieces. Like I just never expect it now. Uh, and I, it's because of Dortmund uh, because like I, I, if I'm watching any other game, like I never think much of a corner and that's just what Dortmund is, has done to me. And it's not even, it, it's like we, the, the first ball, like the cross in from the corner is 
mostly horrendous or like a set piece outside the box. It's usually pretty terrible. I think there was, I don't remember what game it was. Can't remember specifics, but I think, I think it was, uh, maybe it was Brandt taken, like came in and took some corners or, and like, there was a couple that looked really good. I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is what it's like when a, a, like a cross in from a corner looks dangerous. Like I just forgot because most of them are pretty terrible. I'll throw hazard on the bus a little bit. Like, I just remember countless like corners from him that just didn't go anywhere. Or there, there was the one last season that just like skidded across the box in a, not a dangerous way at all. It was, it was like laughable. Um, but yeah, it, it's pretty bad, especially when like you, I think we even talked when we signed slaughter back in Tule, we're like, man, they're big bodies. They can get in there and like, they'll be good in the air. And like even Hummel, like I think Hummels is, is great in the air. Um, when, when it comes to like defending the the halfway line, like when teams are trying to play out um, and he, he's always there with his head, but yeah, defensively and, and not just not throwing Hummels under the bus, but like them collectively uh, are big guys and has not been great. So that doesn't surprise me at all. I think there, there, there's a lot of other answers in there that it wouldn't have surprised me if people went with too. Um, I'm just, they're more like big picture uh, club problems, but yeah, that, that it's not, not good. Yeah, right behind set pieces, it was quality of squad for the second uh, highest option. And I I don't really disagree with that either. I mean, again, we've made some pretty good signings last uh, in the last year, but still just not good enough. I think there's a lot of dead weight in the team that we're struggling to get rid of, and we're really not looking for any replacements for them either. I mean, I'm not having to go at Guerrero for the last few years, but definitely in the last like year or so, he's been slipping pretty bad, and we just haven't really looked for any sort of other options for him and continue to play him in a position that sets him up for failure, really. So, um, yeah, not surprised in that sense either. And this goes into the second half of the survey, and it's looking ahead. First one was, should Terzik be given more time as a head coach? And 83% of the response was yes. Interesting. Okay. I, I was a yes as well, but I wasn't, I wasn't sure it, uh, how the, the group was going to go. I, I said yes, just because I don't know. I think it's just the, the heart I, I went with, whereas the results maybe dictate, uh, maybe the lease should be a little shorter, but yeah, I'll be happy to give him a little bit longer. I mean, it's not like this is going to be a, a title winning season at, Anyway, so who's going to do a better job coming into this situation? You know, maybe see if he can pull, you know, he, he actually has a track record of second half magic uh, with this club. So, you know, who, who better to, you know, maybe he can turn around his own mess uh, as, as well as as a previous one. He's also won silverware here already, mm-hmm. too. I, I was surprised at this response out of any of them so far, just considering, I guess, just because of all the negativity that I'm seeing online with uh, everyone thinking about him. And everyone already kind of trying to call it quits with Terzik. And it's like, dude, it hasn't even been half a season yet. Um, I mean, if you look at the table, we really haven't, or we're literally not at the halfway point of the Bundesliga this year. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I mean, of course he's had his missteps. I mean, I witnessed firsthand in person, one of those missteps and he's got a lot of learning to do as a very young coach, but hopefully he's taking this much needed long break and very seriously, which is kind of trying to learn from some of his mistakes. That way we can hit the ground running in January. I was going to point out that Carver brought up the vertebrum and loss that he saw in person and not me. That was Carver this time. I did. It was not me. <laughs> yeah, I complained about it like, what, two weeks ago? And now I'm doing it. That's funny. 
it's just burned into my brain at this point. If we're going to rebuild anyway, I, I think I like the idea of rebuilding with a coach who's local. He has one silverware with us. You know, this we can't, you know, have it be a rebuild on the player side and then expect the manager to to work wonders with it as well. Not, you know, giving him a free pass for anything that has happened this year. But uh yeah. I, I, I think allowing everyone to grow together is probably the the best way forward. Cause again, I don't know who else we were gonna bring in to to make it, you know, uh, expedite the process basically. It is an interesting contrast that like everybody is down on the season understandably, but then also most people, a good majority of people want Terzic to stay. So that is a really interesting like mm. contrast there. Um, but like, I, I'm the same, like I want him to stay. And I think, cause if the plan is to build and like make this a project, then yes, hundred percent, you got to keep him. Um, if they were to fire him at the end of the season, then that's just stupid. Like what, what was the point? Unless they want to bring in a really high-end coach who's like proven, has won everywhere. Um, like unless they want to do that, like w- what's the point of bringing in another like young coach to try to let him do something and then just let him go soon? So like I think this is the start. Let it be a thing. Like let it build. Let's build something with Terzic. And I would be really upset even say like we, we – we don't even make top four this season. And I would still be upset if they fired Terzic. And then like, I guess, depending on who they hired um, after that, if they were to fire him at the end of the season, because I'm like, if, if you want to build something, then let give him the time to do it. It's going to take time. Um, we we've just, I think football in general has gotten this. Everyone wants things quickly. And now, and you want to bring in a coach and then win the league the next season. And that is just so unlikely. Um, like, I, I just wish I wish football would revert a little bit to like the the building process and just it, that's just I mean it's not football it's the world we live in where everything is mm-hmm. now 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 and that's blood into football which is unfortunate because it, it, it's n- never going to happen like that um, very few instances will, will you bring in a coach and then win the league the next season and if it does that you maybe you're still riding that new manager bounce <laughs> like luckily uh, but yeah I, w- I would be very upset if even if they fire him at the end of the season. Like I, if we're going to build something, let's let's build it with him. Why not? Yeah, we are running out of time here pretty quick and we still have the women's team to get through. So I'm going to fly through these last few here. But next one was, do you think Jude Bellingham stays another year? This one was pretty cut and dry of over 60% of people saying no, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 maybe the optimist in me or just the hope in me is what's going to kill me is just hopefully if the you know, the board is wanting to make some more statement signings to kind of convince you that we're trying to build around you and I and you're gonna find success if you continue, you know, here for a little while. But I can't really imagine that happening. Um, I guess only good thing is we're gonna get a hell of a lot of money from him. And then that bleeds into the next one of what position would you want to reinforce this winter? So not next summer, but coming up here in the next few weeks for the January window. Overwhelming response was a wingback which is what we were you know, wanting to see for a long time now. Again, I just talked about how we're not really addressing, you know, we, we brought in Mounier, what was it, on a free, I think, and obviously he was a little bit older and his first season was rough. Uh, he's, he's picked it up a lot and I, I definitely give him credit for turning, you know, his short career so far around at Dortmund, but uh, with Guerrero as well, which thankfully I think things are really heating up with Ben Zabaini. Um, I mean, it would have been a Rosa signing, so I'm interested to see how Terzic is going to implement him. But 
I mean, I think uh, Brian already wrote a piece from BVB Buzz about just comparing the two of Guerrero and Benzeraini, and he's going to bring, obviously, a lot more defensive stability. Um, I have his stats actually pulled up here, and he is in the 99th percentile. He's already scored five goals this season. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, his one of them was against us, and that header was convincing. I was like, damn, I would yeah. be nice to have someone in the box that looks like it's going to go and attack the ball like that. Um, but on the defensive he's side of things, goals he's in the 99th so. <laughs> uh, percentile for clearances, 99th percentile for aerials one. Uh, he's in the 82nd percentile for interceptions. Um, I mean, you can keep going. So I, I think that's hopefully going to be a, a, a position that we're going to be set on for the next few years and not worrying about having space behind to exploit. But any oh, yeah. thoughts on the <laughs> few minute rant i just had keep going on those fb ref percentiles i love to hear it <laughs> yeah <laughs> not to Maybe mention 97th stuff, and goals <laughs> i mean yeah he, he's when talking about benson Baini, i almost just kind of want to take a sidebar on guerrero so it's looking more like guerrero is going to leave on a free this is a player who i can't believe is leaving on a free and what is his legacy at Dortmund? This guy spent seven seasons in Dortmund. That yeah. is very rare, very rare. And he's just going to go away like in the night, like quietly. Like I, I tell me, what do you think of his tenure here? Like what's the legacy of Rafael Guerrero? Like seven years. He was an international with Portugal, one hardware there, one hardware with us. Like, What's going on? Like, what? Why are we not like fighting to keep him? Like, what, what has happened? I don't understand it. Yeah, the club is no stranger to kind of treating our legends, or I guess in his case, just a player who spent a lot of time here and done a lot of great things, um, and not the best of way. We do kind of just like push him out the door uh, whenever they start to kind of fade out a bit, which is a little strange considering you know this club is always trying to promote you know true love and everything and. So I'm not really a huge fan of what we're doing in that sense. But I mean, I feel like we missed an opportunity to get rid of him if we wanted to get, you know, a lot of money out of him because his stock was so damn high a year and a half ago. But I think he's just kind of starting to show a lot more weaknesses in in his game. And also the club around him is struggling, too. So it hasn't been really helped or helping him much. I feel like it's been a little bit better. Last year was bad. I'm going to like last year was bad, which was so disappointing because the year before it seemed like he was at his absolute peak last year. It seemed like he just fell off a cliff this year. I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm seeing something that isn't really there, but I feel like he's been a little bit better this year. Um, no, I but, agree. You know, I'm, it, it, it's not that it's not that I think that they should like, you know, shell out a contract to him. I just find it so bizarre that a guy who's been here for seven years and played so much with us, it feels like he has so little identity with the club. Like that just feels weird in itself too. Completely agree. I think there's, there's just been, and as of late, um, and I'll, I'll just be like, I'm a, the new Dortmund fan here in my time with Guerrero. It's like, there, there's just like so much in- inconsistency and maybe that's what's like affecting this, this end. Um, it's like you can always count on him for like a few bangers. Like you can count on him to pull up with a crazy goal, which is great. But then we, we see so much, um, I guess, inconsistency, whether it's defensive or offensive. Um, but at the same time, like when you really look at it, because you can you can always expect a great goal, 
um, that when it like does hasn't happened for a while, you're like, oh, come on, man, you're not doing anything. But then again, it's like he's a left back. Like you don't always need to rely on your left back to score banging goals. Uh, but when it hasn't happened in a while or when he makes a defensive mistake, um, that's like that stuff just it's it's again the negatives like outweighing the positives um in 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 the perspective like outweighing the, with the perspective and i think that's the issue where it, it's kind of come to this where it's like a lot of people are kind of down on him but it's like if i don't know cuz you you see so much good uh but then you also see some bad stuff in there that kind of with the perspective shift like outweighs the good sometimes yeah and the offensive um aspect of his game I mean, even goal contributions aside, I think one of my favorite things about him, and we talk about it all the time on the show, Jake, of just the one-touch football that we're seeing from Dortmund and building these, you know, really sexy combinations. Um, and I think a lot of them came through Guerrero in our wings. And, um, you know, throughout his tenure is because he was linking up with players like Royce and Sancho and Attack who have that technical ability to kind of pull those links off and those short, quick passes off. But... um you know, just on top of everything that I've already mentioned, it's, he doesn't really have that many players to link up with. Sancho's gone, doesn't have Holland to cross into, and Royce has been injured as well. So, and just kind of on and off, and he's been inconsistent himself. So, it's you just haven't really seen a lot of, uh, you know, Rafael Guerrero. So, um, that's been it's kind of sad that yeah, it's it's ending on kind of a dud for him at Dortmund. But um, the next one was we only got two here left. Next one was where do you think we'll finish in the league? Uh, again, kind of split between four different answers here. I personally put third, which is third came in first there with fourth as the second top answer. So first and second are kind of off the table for a lot of fans, which I mean, rightfully so. <laughs> I had fourth. Uh, don't have too much to say about it. You know, I, I think that they can, you know, crawl up a couple spaces. I, I don't think that I expect too much more than that. Third is certainly doable, but. I do like the the fifth answer. If you have not filled out the survey and you haven't seen all these answers, Carver's <laughs> fifth answer was cries in Europa League anthem. <laughs> that had that had twelve percent of votes. So you know, twelve percent of our fans oh, don't think we're going to make top four. I mean, where we're sitting now, I'm oh, surprised whoa. only twelve <laughs> percent. It is a sad anthem. It's not like good at all. It's just it's like what you'd play in a Lord of the Rings movie when everyone's dying. Yeah. I think I saw Chaz uh, initially retweet it, but he had that TikTok dance of Lewandowski doing that weird dance, and like behind him oh. is just the Europa League anthem. <laughs> Barcelona. <laughs> anyway, uh, last one was which contracts would you extend with at the end of the season? Because there are five players, at least off the top of my head, minimum that uh, their contracts expire in the spring. So uh, a lot of business for Dortmund to do here. 99% of people said Mukoko. So he was the first one, uh, which, I mean, I'm not too surprised about that. Uh, 93% said Royce. And then out of Rafa, Dahoud, and Hummels, do you guys want to guess who was came in last? Did Rafa come in last? Oh, it's my guess as well. Yeah. It was Guerrero. Yeah. He didn't get a lot of votes, unfortunately, which, you know, just goes right back to your point, Adam, of just, you know... <laughs> Doesn't seem like the the inner workings of the club, but also the fan base is just kind of like we're done with Guerrero. Yeah, I mean, I don't really. I'm, I want to stress. I don't think it's the club doing anything wrong here. I just think it's been such a bizarre tenure to have a player here that long who just fizzles out at the end. Even though he should still be kind of in at the peak of his career right here. I do want to say on 
Guerrero, I wanted to mention it earlier. Um, so I'm glad he came back up in, in this instance. Um, I almost feel like he, like he fell vic- victim to the circumstances of the club and the coaching and like how we've been playing and ev- everything in that. Cause like you said, like he's, he should still be in his prime. He's still a, a Por- Portugal international still played a lot in the world cup. Um, it's not like he's, he's fallen out of the team there. Um, and so, but when you look at the inconsistency of, of Dortmund the last few years, like, is it not surprising that players are also very inconsistent when uh, you look at all the injuries from, from last year and how that changed the lineup and the, the style of play? Um, I, I think just if you look back at the last couple of years, like it, it makes sense that maybe the performances for individual players dipped also. Um, cause you, you can't, you can't expect someone to just when, when the whole of it is kind of falling apart, you can't expect everyone to just step up and, and perform at their top level when the club's not performing at its top level. So it's kind of like, I think and when you look at it that way, it's, it, it's unfortunate for the circumstances he's in and that wouldn't surprise me if that's what's attributing to maybe him, him dipping towards this end. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say on Guerrero is I think just losing him for free is pretty unacceptable. Like I think that, they should have been able to turn him into something or extend him and get more out of him. But it's just kind of a bummer that it's fizzling out the way it is. Yeah, I agree. It is sad. So uh, that was a survey. Uh, very, I had a lot of fun going through and just reading people's responses over the past few weeks. A lot of people came and participated in it. So thank you to everyone who did that. Thank you, Adam, for participating in that. Uh, one thing I got a pretty good kick out of, I don't know if it was a bit or not, but someone and the only person put... Malin as their most impressive player for the season. So I don't know if they misread or if they just only saw the game against 1860. And then they were just kind of like, I'm done for a few months. They've <laughs> been watching the Asia tour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was it. Um, but yeah, do you want to get into the women? Yeah, certainly. So uh, I, I think I mentioned last time that we actually have two women's teams this year. They added a second team, uh, which is very exciting. There's like, Twice as many players to follow now. There were a couple players from the first team that are now playing with the second team because they did add five new players to the uh, the first team. And some of these had like second division experience, third division experience. And let me tell you, these new players have hit the ground running and they are uh, you know, just combining these incredible new players with the, the core that we already had. Essentially, we are 13-0-0 not essentially we are 13 0 and 0 77 yeah. goals scored to conceded uh, I and saw the second two goals team again. is that's unacceptable <laughs> the second team is also 13 0 and 0 they also have conceded two goals but they've scored 141 oh like my God. holy hell they had a 30 <laughs> they had a 30 to nothing win uh 3 weeks ago which i don't even know how that Thir- happens yeah how is that legal <laughs> so okay before you continue, I mean that could probably be the women's review, really. But no, we want more. But I just, I've, it's been too long since I've said this. If you're ever feeling sad about Dortmund, go watch the women's team. <laughs> like if it, if you're like, oh, I can't stand this club. Oh, f it all. Cool. Watch the women's team. You'll be feeling great. It is so therapeutic, and I mean, <laughs> they are scoring goals. Like, uh, you know, we were talking about the set pieces, like. Virginia Glanzer last year scored directly on a corner. She just about did it again this year as well. She hit it off the bar. Like uh, 
they're they're wonder goals. It's not just like you know they're they're beating up on inferior competition. These are are goals that would play in in any scenario as well. I mean, just talking about some of the players. One of the newcomers, Marie Grota, she has been incredible in nine starts, uh, nine games. She has thirteen goals and ten assists, and she was leading the team in both of those figures. But uh, Marie, this is the great thing about amateur football too, is Marie went away on vacation for a couple of weeks. And while she was away on vacation, Anna Isabel, who was one of the top goal scorers last year, she uh, you know slotted into her spot and was like, "Ooh, I'm going to take this back." And she she put up four goals in her last game to to take the lead. So she's got 14 goals now. Um, and Mandy Reinhardt is the the new striker, the number nine up top. She has 10 goals as well. Vanessa Kuhl, who uh, was Vanessa Heim last year, she she got married. Congratulations for her. Uh, yeah. She had like 26 goals and 24 assists last year. She also has 10 goals again this year. Um, so, you know, the, the, the players who were banging them in last year are still banging them in. And the newcomers are also doing that as well. Uh, one thing of note, Hannah Guzman, who was the 17-year-old the striker last year who scored a ton of goals, she had injury struggles and she has only played – 36 minutes with the team this year. She's played a little bit on the second team and has scored three goals there, but that's somebody that we're really looking forward to getting back as well. But, you know, otherwise, you know, everything's going really, really well. Uh, the defense of course is incredible as well. Uh, Nora Reckenbach is a, a new defender that we have uh, uh, pairing up with either Virginia Glanzer, who I mentioned before, or with Marina Young. And, you know, they're just a, a wall uh, at center back, you know, it's not even fair because like every once in a while, the other team will get a chance and then we get to show off the fact that our center backs are, you know, just on a whole different level as well. And if they get through the center backs, we have Sandra Sherb back there, who is just an incredible goalkeeper as well. So um, I'm really looking forward to another promotion so they can start to, to get uh, a little bit more heavy competition. They are going to have some heavy competition in the cup. They're making it to, they're in the third round now, and they are also going to face Bochum. So both the men and the women are going to face Bochum in the next round. And uh, I forget exactly where Bochum is, but I think this is the, the top team that they will have now ever faced. Uh, so it's going to be a good challenge to see. Nice. Uh, when is that game? Do you know off the top of your head? They don't have a date published okay. yet. They just have the draw. So uh, I'll, I'll be sure to share it out when I get it. And then are they like, are they on a break right now or what's their, like, when's their next game? I guess, essentially the next game. I mean, they, they just started their break. Their okay. last game was on the fourth. Um, the they fourth, don't come yeah. back until March though. Yeah. March 5th is the next, um, uh, regular season game. They do have some friendlies in between. I don't know if those, those will be broadcast. Um, but yeah, they'll be, uh, taking on the second half of the season and you know, so far it's looking really good for them. One thing I, I love, like, I, I feel like, because we're doing a mid-season review, we know how this season's gone. It, I feel like this episode, thank you for hanging out and listening as we do this episode, but I feel like it's been kind of a downer because everyone's just still sad about the season <laughs> so far. But um, you can't see Adam because this is a podcast, but we can see him on our video call. And his, like, just Adam's expression the whole time he's talking about the woman is just a big old <laughs> smile on his face, which I love. It's like, just brought a, it's warmed up this, this podcast episode, so... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they. I, I love sharing about these players. You know, the, the team, just the fact that we have a team is incredible. The fact that we have two teams now is even more incredible. And, you know, the individual players have just been awesome to follow. And uh, they're, 
they're great players and I'm I'm glad that you guys give them, uh, give me this platform to share about them with, with the rest of the Dortmund fans. Are you kidding? No, thank you for coming on it. I love that the domination just continues in a whole different division. I mean, if, if there was anyone that was skeptical, if this team was the real deal and they're continuing to prove it, not only for over a season now, but just week by week, day by day. Um, and also just the quality of the team continues to grow and the passion and the support from the fan base too. It looks like it's, you know, incredible uh, from the videos that I've seen of just people are constantly trying to show up to these games and, you know, show the team their support and the women, you know, traveling with the men to certain events and the attention they're getting is, is great. And it's, and it's well-deserved as well. I mean, you know, the players continue to kind of put this, uh, the work into the women's team and, you know, the results are really speaking for themselves. Yeah. One thing that I'll add is that, uh, you know, just watching the games, it's, it's good football. Like even the games that end up being a little bit more on the higher scoring side, the way they usually go this season anyway, is usually the teams fight them pretty hard in the first half and Dortmund maybe gets one or two. And then it's only like at the end when, uh, Dortmund is able to, you know, substitute people like Anna Isabel on and, and uh, Vanessa Kuhl and, and, and players like that against tired, you know, amateur players that, you know, then then it kind of breaks open. So a lot of these games have been really tight and it's been fun to watch the the other teams even like last year. I kind of became a little bit of a fan of uh, Team Solderholz because they always put up a good fight against Dortmund. And actually, they are in the same division now as the second Dortmund team. And they are 12-0-1. And the only loss they have is a 4-0 against Dortmund. But that 4-0 came in between two other wins that Dortmund had that were 30 to nothing and 13 to nothing. So, you know, you, you discover another uh, team there that's, that's you know, not quite Dortmund, but this Solderholz team is is really fun to watch too. So, uh, you know, I found myself following them as they were making their run for second place last year too. That's cool. I did not expect to talk about uh, Solderholz <laughs> on this, but uh, I appreciate you letting me do it. And um, I mean, if you're if you're not too familiar with the the women's team, make sure you follow Adam. We'll have his his Twitter and everything linked um, in the description of this episode. Um, and Carver, like you you mentioned, like the club, like them traveling with the guys and showing some support too. Like shout out to the club who's like really they've done such a good job of like hyping them up. I've seen, um, I feel like I've seen so much of the the women's team in the main channels too, and they have a great like Instagram account too with a good following yes. and a lot of great content. Um, so make sure you follow that if you're at all interested or just follow it anyways, if you love Dortmund, make sure you show them some love and show them support too. But it's been really cool this season, um, that they're kind of integrating them more and it's understandable as they like continue to, to rise and maybe like uh, I get the aspect of kind of like slowly integrating them, but they, they're like, they're not shying away from it at all. They're like very much hyping it up and it's so cool seeing them in a lot of the, like the main Dortmund content, um, and they're killing it, so they should. And we'll continue to. We usually post the the next match in the description of our episodes too, so you can always find out um, when their next match is. A lot of those games you can stream. We talk, I remember us talking about like the first time I think we talked to you. We're like, how cool is it that we can watch like seventh at the time seventh tier women's football in Germany? Mm-hmm. Like it's so cool. Um, so most of the games are streamed. And again, Adam Adam is your guy for all things Dortmund women. So make sure you're following him. Uh, again, you can find all those links in the description of this episode. Um, but let's kind of come to the end of the episode. 
Um, but before we kind of finish up with other Dortmund stuff, World Cup's going on, obviously. Um, we we talked to U.S. We did a couple episodes about the U.S. We we hyped up Jude and his, his role with England. But now, uh, officially, as of today, we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, finals officially confirmed. France versus Argentina. Messi versus all the French guys. <laughs> Who's the dude? What I cannot think of his name right Can now. Can you not think of Mbappe? <laughs> Messi Mbappe. It's even perfect with the alliteration. There, my well, my first thought was Hugo Lloris because that's so funny. Tottenham, um, but Mbappe, <laughs> Messi Mbappe. The alliteration is there, and I still forgot it. Uh, but real quick, who do you guys got in the final? Adam, we'll start with you. Argentina. I, I want to see Messi lift that trophy. You know what's crazy too is France doesn't even have their Balloon Door winner in their squad at the moment. And <laughs> as great as Benzema is, and I'm not trying to downplay him at all, it's insane how much Giroud steps up at international football level and just continues to do the job for France at, at his kind of age. Um, so it's it's just kind of nuts to think about how France, how well France does. I don't I don't think they played that well, but just how well they've been doing in this tournament without a player like Benzema. But I'm also going to go with Argentina for the romance of it. I didn't want him winning in 2014 because of Germany, but now it's the other way around. And I'd love to see Messi send the entire back line of, uh, or the entire French back line for a hot dog and lift that trophy. Just on the, the French note, not only Benzema, but they've had a, like quite a few injuries too. Um, and and they, they just got so much depth. That guys can just step in and they can still perform at a very, very high level. Um, and, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I've always been a big Messi fan. I, I hate the. I mean, I get Ronaldo. I get people like Ronaldo because he's Ronaldo. But I've never really liked him personally. Um, so I'm always I'm on board with Messi. And if he can, uh, yeah, it'd be really cool to see him get the trophy. And I mean, just the like the aspect that France won last year. Do they need to win again? No. Let's just like come on, Argentina. Um, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a really good game. And I wouldn't be surprised if France wins. But yeah, I'm, I'm pulling. For Argentina, though, and Messi. Yeah, I just, you know, I don't want Dembele to win. I still hold that grudge in my clenched fist years later. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's Dortmund uh, ties at, at play here as well. I, I would, I was going to say, I feel like Dembele has been a little underrated in this tournament, just because like all the hype is on Mbappe, and I, I feel like whether you like it or not, as a Dortmund supporter, I feel like he's been playing really well. Like he's been, he, he's been just as dangerous on that right side. And I mean, he hasn't scored like the goals like Mbappe has, but he's been very dangerous coming down that right side. Whether you like it or not, I I, I just feel like anytime I hear all the hype about Mbappe and I'm <laughs> watching him, I'm like, Dembele is still out there like cutting people up too. And they're not talking about him at all. I think it's just because, yeah, everyone's focused on Mbappe in the field and that gives so much space for Dembele to run. And like, we're not going to get into why he's a good player. <laughs> I stopped myself there. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So obviously the World Cup is on <laughs> Sunday. Um, semifinals, not semifinals. Sorry. The third place game is on Saturday morning. Um, and but yeah, Bundesliga, we, we mentioned it early on. Uh, it's we still got quite a ways to go until Dortmund men are are back. Bundesliga is back Friday, January 20th. I think Leipzig and I don't remember who they're playing, but Leipzig will bring it back. And then Dortmund versus Augsburg Sunday morning, January 22nd at 9:30 Eastern time. Carver and I have not really talked or planned about what what we're going to do for the next month maybe we will take a break we had a few weeks here and there did a couple of world cup world cup episodes 
Maybe we'll be back with some other episodes. I don't know. I'm look, looking at Carver and seeing what he wants to do. We'll figure that out off podcast probably. <laughs> we'll, we'll probably, if I were to guess, and what I'm going to suggest to Carver in a text message and right now in the podcast is that we'll probably do a preview episode <laughs> like the week before Dortmund's back. But we'll we'll see. We'll see what – I just – usually we're like, oh, we'll be back next week. And I don't know what to tell people right now. So that's why I'm rambling right now. Carver, you want to help me out? <laughs> I would imagine it'll probably be a, some sort of preview a week or so before. And we'll be like, yo, this is going to be a short episode, and then we're going to still go for an hour, like we, <laughs> like we usually do. But yeah, I, that, that's kind of it for this episode. Adam, uh, real quick plug, if you want to shout out everything you do so people can find you. Like I said, it, it is all linked in the description of this episode, but as the podcast style is, it's not official unless you actually shout it out. <laughs> Yeah, if you for yourself want to go check out some uh, Rima Benson Baini uh, percentiles, head on over to fbref.com. Uh, that is the day job working uh, with sports reference on on our family of sites. And then for the Dortmund women, uh, just Dorowski.com slash Bevabe. It's D-A-R-O-W-S-K-I.com slash Bevabe. We got the stats there. We got the match reports and basically anything you could want about check the women's Check out his team. website. I have it bookmarked. I've had it bookmarked for like a year now. <laughs> I appreciate uh, and, that. And just, I, I'm, I'm probably say it every episode, but Adam, just thank you. One, for doing all the awesome yes, stuff for the you. women's team, but also just, it, it's so good having you be a part of this podcast. It's great. So we appreciate you. Oh, I always love chatting with you guys. And, you know, even when it's not the, the happiest of circumstances, like uh, the, the first half <laughs> review, but yeah. Uh, I look forward to coming back on when we're making that strong push in the second half. And those 82% of, of uh, respondents look really smart for wanting to hang on to Terzic. <laughs> or if everything just goes terribly wrong, we're going to become a Dortmund women's podcast. And <laughs> <laughs> There we go. I will be ready for that as well. Perfect. Well, we appreciate you hanging out. We will be back sometime before the season kicks off again. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll see you later. See you.